You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. So we'll be talking about Joan Armitrading. In the room, I have Anne. Hey. And on the line, I have Rob. Oh, yeah. And Ben. Hey. Joan Armitrading is the third studio album from the Brit- British singer-songwriter Joan Armitrading, and her second for A&M Records. The producer was Glenn Johns, and the genre is pop. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Dave Connolly. Joan Armitrading's eponymous third album is a charmer, almost single-handedly elevating her into the ranks of rock's leading female artists. Up to this point, Armitrading had shown that she had a lovely voice and an ear for interesting arrangements. Her work had been steeped in the folk idiom of the early 1970s. Her third album changed all that, with producer Glenn Johns bringing in members of Gallagher and Lyle, Fairport Convention, and the faces to punch up her folksy sound with elements of rock, country, and disco. The result is her most muscular music to date, with Armitrading adopting a swagger that showed her tales of unluckiness and love didn't have to have dire consequences. Of course, it helped that the record featured her best material delivered in a wonderfully expressive voice that can capture the shades between song and speech like a sweeter version of uh, Ian Anderson. Down to Zero, which features Pedal Steel by guitarist BJ Cole, and Love and Affection are the album's most memorable tracks, the latter breaking in the UK Top 10. But what endears this record to the fans is the quality of each song. It wouldn't be fair to call anything here filler. While Glenn Johns deserves credit for bringing Joan Armitrading songs into a more flattering setting, his real stroke of genius was letting the artist flower to her full potential. For many, this album remains the high point in her career. All right, what do we think of Joan Armitrading and her self-titled album, third album? Beefy. <laughs> Beefy, huh? Muscular is fair. I'd never, I'd never heard of Joan Armitrading before, and I, I enjoyed this album. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as Ben. Um, I, it, it does sound beefy, but again, this is my first, uh, you know introduction to her so i don't know what her other stuff sounds like but i enjoyed this album quite a bit it it's a it's got a real quality to it for sure i mean glenn johns i remarked uh when we got to the eagles how clear the production is and just how nuanced the instrumentation is so i think he is he's quite good at presenting uh this but taking no credit away from her because these songs are awesome um She's doing a really fantastic job, and she has a very unique voice, which uh, 
you know, I don't know that we've seen before. You know, it kept coming through or going through my head when I was listening to this. Uh, it was that I'm pretty sure that Grace Jones is a very big fan of, of this record. Um, like delivery wise, uh, vo- vocal delivery wise. Like I, I think that a lot of cues are being taken from uh, Joan on, on this. That's, that was, that was one of my observations. Yeah. <laughs> hey Ben, how about your observations? <laughs> Is is the Eagles what I know? I know Glenn Johns's name. Do I know it from? from oh, you know him from many things, including the Rolling Stones, uh, Eagles, um, Beatles, even. Like, oh, really? Uh, no, Led Zeppelin, maybe is Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, he is he is one of the most renowned uh, producers, engineers. Oh wow! I, I just pulled up his creds. Oh yeah. It, yeah, the Stones, The Who, it, The Face. Uh, it's small as faces, long faces. as your arm. So, yeah. And the funny thing, though, is when I was doing research, uh, Glenn John said that this album was the best album he had ever been associated with, which is now, wow. That is a compliment. That is a big compliment. That's awesome. So, that just shows the, you know, the quality that she uh, brought. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, what you said about how there really there's no filler uh, on this. Like ev- every song is like some of the songs are like more than others, but each song is like so much its own statement and just like fully conceived entity. You know? Yeah, well, I agree. The songwriting's really, really great, and it's yeah, it's got like a definite, full formed like. She's really delivering on every single track, right? Uh, I thought some of the standouts for me were definitely Love and Affection, Save Me. When Save Me came on, I was like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is definitely where it is. Um, I did find it r- very amusing that the background vocals, <laughs> <laughs> I, who I had just kind of assumed it would be someone in the background like uh, Isaac Hayes or, you know, Someone else just hanging around the studio for some uh, one re- uh, one reason or another, but I was very surprised, Ben, when you told me that it was Lester from The Wire. Yeah, a- yeah, AKA. it is. Character actor Clark Peters. Yeah, that's incredible. I really want to dig into his catalog now or see where he's. Uh, where else he might where hear else him? He, he pops up. It's really interesting. The way it sounds in the song is very like. It's so much lower than everything else going on that it's like very, um, it's like almost jarring, but it works well somehow. Yeah. I don't know. It's really fascinating. Yeah. It's extra <laughs> fascinating knowing it's Lester, though. That's a good it's, fact, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like like the bass voice for like the Temptations or something. Absolutely. We, we just like comes in with that like comically low bass voice. But yeah, it's it's Lester. <laughs> he's what's demanding his, the love you what's, his actual, what's his actual name ben clark peters clark peters okay i just saw him uh a few weeks ago the, there's a new spike lee movie on netflix the five bloods and he is one of the five bloods ah. mm. yeah. he's wonderful yeah apparently a gifted singer too I feel like mm-hmm. I saw him singing in the wire, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway. I saw him making tiny furniture in the wire. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of that. <laughs> uh, 
I was going to mention too, her influence, she's been cited as one of the only British artists not directly influenced by the Beatles. Her influence was Van Morrison, which oh, I, I picked that. up. I picked up on a lot. I didn't want to compare because I didn't know exactly where she was going, but I, I heard the sort of Van Morrison comparison. And then when I was listening to it more and more, and then I read that, that she cites him as a major influence. I was like, of course. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't come to that independently, but since you just mentioned it a few seconds ago, I absolutely hear that, that, that Van Morrison in there. Yeah, it's I think it's in her, her a lot in her vocal delivery from going from the singer to the spoken to the sort of uh, riffing, you know, the the strange sort of not really poetry, but the sort of the way he accentuates things. I feel like she also has that the uh, interesting way of presenting the music and accentuating uh, the lyrics in different ways. Absolutely. It's a cool, cool record. Uh, it was just nowhere near my radar, I guess. I'd never remotely heard of it. Yeah. I'd kind never of heard like of a, her before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that whole, that whole, like this scene, cause there's members of Fairport convention uh, on this album. Uh, so like she's got ties to them. Uh, like uh, Richard and Linda Thompson have ties to them. And I like all everything I hear that comes out of like that scene. And before this project, I hadn't heard of any of those artists. I think you know? that's, that's probably a big gap within American music because the, I mean, that's all British. Mm-hmm. And I think this book has a heavily leaning, uh, uh, people selecting the albums in here tend to lean American and British and, Mm-hmm. heavily into into the British folk scene. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pleased that this book has kind of, if anything, I think it's brought the most out of, yeah, that 60s and 70s British folk scene. Joan and folk, armitrading or bias? <laughs> hard, hard to decide. <laughs> Because I'm going armatrading just off of this record. Yeah, but I, I I would need to listen to more of her stuff to give a full. Based on best thing. record, yeah, armatrading in this record probably. Yeah, for sure. It's a it's a unique folk is a strange thing too because most of the time when you're talking about folk, you're talking about someone performing uh, folk songs like classical songs, whereas this album is a lot of her own material. Very good material, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many of these uh, tracks uh, are hers? Uh, I think all of alone. them are, right? Because initially uh, the, uh, she had like a, a lyricist partner, but that was the albums before this. Okay. And then I think this yeah, one is every- all her, but I, yeah, you should look it up and make sure because I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm assuming it's all her because there's no writing credits next to them on on the, like the Wikipedia page. So yeah. maybe, Oh yes. Yeah, so all tracks composed yeah. by Joan Armstrong. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I, I looked, I looked at the wiki and I couldn't yeah. find anything to uh, say that there was anything, which I just assumed it was all her. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, fucking hell. Like this is a, there's, there's just not a shitty track on it. Like there's not even like a kind of 
mediocre track on it. it the- Join the boys is a little bluesy for me. <laughs> but she likes Aww. the blues. That's she fine. like finally wrote a blues album and she's like, this is what I've been trying to do the whole time. <laughs> like, I think that's the one that <sighs> won a Grammy nomination too. Right? Yeah, she was. But that was much later. Wait, so it, she, is there a different album that, that she did that's just like straightforward blues? Mm-hmm. Or are you, impl- are you referring to this one? No, it's like a, it's a one she does much later. Like I can't remember if it's like the nineties or the two thousands, but yeah, she wasn't. She was uh, the first female UK artist to earn a Grammy nomination in the blues category. Really? Yeah. Cool. So, Rob, what tracks did you like? Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna be pretty basic here. Uh, like down to zero, love and affection. I thought uh, water with the wine was really good, and honestly, uh, I have a star by Join the Boys. So. <laughs> <I think. laughs> It's pretty into that one too. I've got stars by uh, those first three that you said, Rob. Down to zero, water with the wine, and love and affection. All on side one. On side two, I really liked uh, uh, track eight, "Somebody Who Loves You." Ah, yes. Wrap the sheets around you With me hugged up inside I wanna see you fan the fire Come on, stop the blaze and don't run for cover It sounds like she switched it up a lot throughout her career, so there's probably, like, all different kinds of things you could find to like or dislike about it, but... If, yeah, if it's the same, this kind of songwriting, I can't imagine that it's any of it's bad, right? Or like terrible. I don't know. I I don't know <laughs> Did about you that. To yeah, else? yes, I listened to a span of uh, selected tracks across her career, and it seems like she had a very uh, interesting career, and maybe not all winners because uh-huh. she's had over nineteen albums, I believe. Uh, and well, I guess still, I haven't heard of going. any of them, right? <laughs> yeah, and we one. haven't we haven't really. Uh, but we're in America. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I'd say her earlier albums relied a bit more in the folk territory and blues territory. This one seems to be a mesh, a, a perfect, uh, cohesive album that blended all these different styles of folk, jazz, rock blues you know into one album so i think that's why this one is so highly uh, touted and regarded however it takes a sharp turn in 1980 uh when she uh starts doing very synth heavy albums uh that yes that, <laughs> maybe rob would love that tell me more that is very much like a blondie uh, style and it leans okay? very okay. much into pop music more than folk uh, or blues. I mean, I feel like this is pretty poppy too, though, right? Like a singer songwriter pop. Like this, whatever this track is. This is Joy yeah, the join the boys. Join, this join the, the boys. This is my right? jam. <laughs> There's some hop in here. Like I would not consider this a folk song. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. 
does anyone else get kind of a Tracy Chapman vibe? Yeah. I, you know, I looked song. into it because I was kind of like, I mean, the, they have like biographical, like, they have two big things in common. They're both black. They're both like singer songwriters and they're both probably like gay or at least kind of queer, but like very private about that. So I was like interested in if there was any connection. I combed through yeah. like Tracy Chapman stuff and she said nothing about it. And all her influences oh. were sort of very like about what you would hear in the 60s and 70s and like the black part of Ohio, basically. So, mm -hmm. um, but there, like I think the last track or the second to last track, there's like a specific like vocal delivery that sounds really similar to something on... Um, like fast car. So I was like, I right. was like, okay, well I could, I could see like some of the way the unique voice stuff is there, but like thematically they're real different too. Like this is super poppy and like very love song centric. And like, that's not what Tracy Chapman really does, but like, I was, I was going to say it reminded me of Tracy Chapman um, because of the voice she has a lower register voice, and I think mm -hmm. Tracy they might Chapman have, have the same range. I could see the, that the I sort of range. And uh, yeah, I was reading about her range, which is I'm gonna maybe butcher contralto. this contralto, which is a type of classical female singer voice whose vocal range is the lowest female voice type. So if you were singing in a classical setting, then she would have the lowest sort of the bass of on the female side. I huh. thought that was cool though. Cause she has yeah. a really good range. It's, it's, it well, feels it's, different. It's really expressive. Yeah. In a yeah. particular way. And I would say that like Tracy Chapman's voice is also really expressive in that way. Like, so, but yeah, I did look cause I was like, is there any, yeah, but I think that like us, <laughs> Tracy Chapman <laughs> has not heard of <laughs> or, or had not at the time that she had first started like writing music or whatever. Right. Right. But who's on guitar on people? This solo rips. It does rip that like fuzzed out twang. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It doesn't have track by track credits, but it's got Jerry Donahue on electric guitars and he was in Fairport convention. Mm, might, might, might be he, um, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I, I get uh, like uh, uh, specifically on this people song. I I get uh, I get some Talking Heads vibes off of it. Oh. Um, also get a, uh, like funk pop. New yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah. M m I guess new wave. I honestly, I, I when punk rock existed for three months a new wave happened already i guess so I, I i don't know what the lineage is but yeah i just get, I get a little bit of a little bit of that action um they happened in tandem rob let's all be they? honest yeah did they? i think so did they? i think i think a lot of music evolves uh in tandem i mean obviously things happen uh that overshadow one way or the other it's just like there was a lot of interesting jazz going on while there was psychedelic music going on, but obviously the summer of love pushed all that pushed all the other kind of music to the side and they got a hot, they got the hype. Fucking right? 67, man. Yeah. 
<laughs> We're still talking about it. I'm still, I'm still mad. How was that? How was that even a summer of love with everything that was going on around it? It was yeah. a summer of love for fucking boomers. Yeah, Fuck for, for white boomers. I'm sorry, bunch of fucking assholes. Oh my god! Then everyone unsubscribes. <laughs> I, I I don't have a criticism really. Like I, I don't e- I don't even have anything aside from like the only criticism I could give it was like this isn't something that I'll ever listen to again. And that's not because it's bad, it's just not my jam. Like thing things can be very good and not my jam, which is a thing that this book has taught me. Um so yeah, I mean like it, it it's weird. Like and, and it shouldn't be weird. Like we shouldn't be offering criticism of uh, other people's art for the most part, unless it really sucks. <laughs> and and th- this definitely doesn't. It, it exists, doesn't on any front. Art exists to be interpreted. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just our opinion, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to... From now on, I will just be neutral on everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> From here on in, nothing but solid yeah. neutral. No, I it, think it's good to have fine. opinions. That's yeah. what art is asking for. It's asking for someone to say what they think about it. Art is asking for four episodes per time we meet up and about eight beers in to when I get really ecstatic about a thing. So. <laughs> that sounds- that's, that, that's how I treat art. Right now, I'm only one and a half in, so um. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, man. I don't know, Birch. What do you? Uh, Anne, fuck it. What What do you think about the entire record? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the mic here. <laughs> I, mean, I have I, taken your mic. <laughs> I really liked it. I I enjoyed it. I listened to all four for the week, and I chose two to be on, and this was one of them. So. Um, cause I'd rather say something nice. That's why you won't hear me on the Aerosmith one. Right. But oh, like, <laughs> boo. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really well written, solid all the way through, really a joy to listen to very like mellow and seventies, but sometimes that's like soothing and sometimes that's what I w- am interested in listening to. So I think I probably will listen to this again. Cool. Right now we're listening to that song, uh, Somebody Who Loves You, which I had a star by, but then couldn't remember anything about it earlier during this podcast. And now that I'm hearing it, I, I'm remembering what, what I actually liked about it. The mandolin? Uh, no, no. It's like uh, it's like dream pop, kind of. Yeah. And the melody is reminiscent of like Surf's Up era Beach Boys a little bit. Just like really pretty melodic, but a little sad. And just everything about it, it's just like it's just like a dreamy little sad pop, and I, I, I like that about it. So that answers your question from earlier, yeah. Robert. Thank you. And Birch is going to absolutely edit this so that comes directly after my question. No, I won't. sure. He doesn't have that kind of time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Birch, for all you do. Uh, getting back to me because I'm super important. Um, yeah, man. Like, I, I would go with a positive on this record, and that's just because it's, it's very, very good. Like wheels, I move in a circle while you stand on the bank. And moon or throw me a lifeline, save me. Intimacy and affection 
frozen. Positive for me as well. Uh, I, I, I'm realizing that I kind of just need to scratch deeper into the surface of this British folk scene because whenever these whenever these people pop up, uh, I, I end up really enjoying the material and and it always comes out of left field. Uh, I I won't revisit this as much as I'll revisit. Uh, was it? Uh, I want to see the bright lights tonight. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but if I saw if I saw this one in a bin, I'd pick it up. Uh, there, like especially for like for like down to zero, love and affection, and I really like somebody who loves you. For those tracks alone, I, I, I'd pick it up. Uh, I would recommend it to someone who was into like interesting folk music or uh, or like uh, looking for something new from a singer songwriter that maybe they hadn't heard of. I would recommend Joan Armatrading. Uh, yeah, yeah, positive from me. I like this. Yeah, I would go positive as as well. We didn't even talk about her strumming, um, her sort of unique strumming and and tapping, which is very pronounced on this album too. And that became sort of a signature of her sort of hit hitting the strings, as you can hear on on this song. She also played those ovation guitars. I don't know if anybody's ever seen those guitars. That instead I had of, the I had a bass version. Oh, I had, nice. had the bass guitar <laughs> ovation. Ovation bass. It was so big. It was a, <laughs> it's a hilariously sized acoustic bass. Uh, but they don't have. They're not boxy on the back. They're uh, they're rounded. Looks like a half of an avocado. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like it's like black. Like it's like hard plastic, right? It is. Yeah, it's hard yeah. plastic, and then it, it, the front is still the sort of uh, uh, sort of wooden, but the back and it gives a very percussive sound. She said, and that's why it was uh, a bit of her choice guitar to use because, and I can I can hear that with her playing. It doesn't have this. It has a very aggressive, I would say, strumming. Uh, style. It's not. It's not like Willie Nelson or nylon strings, you know, and some of those other uh, earlier uh, folk people like John Denver. It, it's more this aggressive uh, sort of rock, rock and roll or heavy sort of blues uh, uh, strumming. I guess you could call it. But yeah, positive for me. I think this really is putting is a. I don't know. I need to come up with a good word for gap filler where it feels like someone is crossing this threshold for probably other people. You know, it's it's not stuck in one uh, particular scene or style. It is really transformative. And then there's going to be so many spinoffs of this uh, this type of style. Someone like David Bowie is obviously a like the king of transforming music in this way. But I feel like she also has, is doing this, an interesting thing that maybe, uh, who are we talking about before? Uh, singer songwriter where Joni Mitchell had been that a bit of transformative taking the folk in incorporating jazz. I feel like Joan Armitrading is pulling that even further into the rock sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I get that. Which we will absolutely get, especially in the 90s, with a lot of um, 
singer songwriters that have a, a a sort of a percussive way of strumming Ani DeFranco, uh, uh, so so many Dave (laughs) Matthews, Jewel, like all every, everyone you could possibly name. Sort of folk pop. Folk pop. Much more pop than folk. But I feel like this is this idea of that she's presenting is, is absolutely that sort of a, a starting place for that. Those things that will come later. I don't know, maybe I'm way off, but I just, I hear those things. And for this album to come out before even 1980, uh, it feels like everyone had been, you know, pulling from this album. Yeah, for sure. Man, do you think that, and I can totally hear that everyone would have been pulling from this album. It's hard to do if you hadn't ever heard of her. So do you, like, do you think like in contemporary did this get like the distribution and the rec and like the play was it played enough to be influencing all these people that we hear influence from? Well, sometimes the way influence works is like, it's like people you admire are borrowing from that person. Right. So like, right. It didn't have to be particularly her. It could have been someone else British that maybe had more insight or. Yeah. I don't know. I prefer to think of just a cabal of like early 90s people who I can't stand their music all getting together <laughs> and just ruining the good name of uh, Joan Armitrade. That's probably what happened. And there are definitely Draper. lizard people. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Reptilians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that stuff can reverberate out to people who have heard it. Like, what was that one that you guys hated? Laura Nero, yeah. like yeah. she she did things that were interesting that were abhorrent in many ways to like our ears. But then like the people that borrowed from her maybe did different things with it. Right. It's that idea that like your best version of someone else's art is very different in your own. And that can like spur other things like. Yeah, I, I mean, she, she the, the Nairo was an incredible songwriter she just sucked at fucking like performing her own songs. <laughs> like other people did her songs. Amazing. Right. So, and so it's, it's how Bob much Dylan better that we love this, but then maybe the reptile people like <laughs> changed it in the wrong way and gave you like Dave Matthews band. Right? Like, I don't know. We're going to get to Dave Matthews. Don't worry. Are, are, oh God. Okay. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> cool. Don't, uh, don't worry, Rob. Uh, I'm, pre- I'm preparing myself for two years from now when we get to Dave Matthews. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Aerosmith rocks. Oh. Right, thanks, y'all. <laughs> Small with the feeling